0: Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Psalms, Psalms number 23, Psalms 23 this morning. And for those of you who don't come on Wednesday night, shame on you, number one, number two. I hope you'd come. We are doing on Wednesday night, we did a survey like I did about the hymns, favorite hymns. I've been preaching on Wednesday nights on favorite Bible verses of folk from Benson Grove Baptist Church. We did a survey, Brother Ricky helped me with that. Had six to some people respond from the ages of six to seventy-three. I calculated all the numbers of votes per uh, chapter and verse, and uh, I picked the top four vote getters from the Old Testament, top four from the New Testament. And so this coming Wednesday night, I'll be preaching on the second most favorite verse in the Old Testament or the scripture in the Old Testament. And I just run across one here that is one of my favorites. It is of yours as well. But I had it in my heart to share with you a little truth that I've been reading uh, the 23rd Psalm for some time now. Or quoting the 23rd Psalm several times a day uh, for some time now. I want to challenge you. I may have shared this with you before. Dr. Charles Allen, uh, famous Methodist pastor years ago. I uh, challenged some of his folk, people who were going through a difficult time. And he said, I want you to take Psalms 23 and read it five times a day for 30 days. That's God's prescription uh, for peace and a, and a sound mind. And I want to challenge you to do that. Now, his advice was don't memorize it, but I, I tried to. And because uh, I'm not always where I've got my Bible. But uh, I want you to start doing that. Take Psalms 23 and read it five times a day for 30 days. And read it in the morning when you get up. Read it after breakfast, before lunch, after lunch, in the afternoon. Read it before supper. After supper, before you go to bed, somehow or another, you work it out, read it five times a day for 30 days. And I promise you it will make a difference in your spiritual walk with the Lord. Amen. I am glad that you're here, all of you. Praise God for you being here. It's a special blessing today to have Pansy and Pete here, and she's been really, really sick, and folk been praying for her, and I'm sure glad God let her be here today. What a blessing to my heart. I want you to look in Psalms 23. Now, I'm not going to read the whole psalm. I feel like uh, there's something in my heart I'm going to read, and then I'm going to have you to turn to, to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. But look in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. That phrase is what God spoke to my heart about that I want to share with you. And that little phrase, he restoreth my soul. Now turn over to the book of Ezekiel. Turn toward the New Testament and you'll come to the major prophets and you'll find the book of Ezekiel chapter number 34. He restoreth my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, the Bible says. And here he says, he restoreth my soul. And look in chapter 34 of the book of Ezekiel. And it says this beginning with verse 11. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is uh, among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. And I will feed them in a good pasture. And upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold. And in a fat pasture shall they feed among the mountains of Israel. And I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord. He said, I will seek that which was lost. And bring again that which was driven away. And bind up that which is broken. And will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. And I will feed them with judgment. That is the enemies of God. Will you bow with me for prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray now the Holy Spirit of God would minister to my heart. And to the heart of these friends here gathered. Thank you for the great opportunity to preach on the internet and in the radio audience. And to this great congregation today. Thank you for every visitor and every guest. And I pray, God, the Holy Ghost, God, would anoint me and fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the wonderful singing of the choir, of the congregation, Brother Timmy and Brother Ricky. God, for blessing our heart soul. I want to thank you for the ministry of music. And our Father, that we can sing and make melody in our heart unto the Lord. And I pray now, God, you'd speak to hearts. Our Father, I pray for those this morning who need to be restored. I pray, God, for those of us, our Father, who need to be restored. And I pray, God, you'd do something in my heart and life and the life of all these who hear me today. And I'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. What a wonderful truth to be able to testify to this fact. The Lord is my shepherd. In the book of John chapter 10, the Bible says that he's the good shepherd. And he says of the good shepherd, he giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus Christ was a lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. He came as a good shepherd. He laid down his life. He died for the sheep that we might have life. In this wonderful psalm that I guess is one of the most favorite of, of all people around the world who know the Lord Jesus Christ, there's some great truths. Every verse, every word almost is packed. But this morning my attention's drawn to that one little phrase, "He restoreth my soul." He restoreth my soul. Here in this passage of scripture, we learn some truth. The word restore, and I'm going to give you a more detailed description in a moment. But basically it means to return or to bring back or to replace. And so he's saying, I'm going to bring back the soul of my people. I'm going to bring back the soul. When you look in the book of Ezekiel, there's a prophetic word there about a literal bringing back of the people of Israel from different countries, different land into Israel. But the picture's the same. The word restore means to bring back. I heard Brad pray a while ago and that's exactly my thought this morning. I have said often and I've heard other people say to me, preacher, I'm just not where I ought to be in the Lord, that doesn't mean geographically. It doesn't mean that you're not in the building. It doesn't mean that you're not attending church. And, and but it does mean that there's somewhere your soul has gone. And I'm interested this morning in if the soul is going to be brought back in a spiritual sense. Where does that soul go? You're saved by the grace of God. Your body, soul, and spirit are inseparable. That's one creation. You're dead in trespasses and sin, but when you're saved, he quickens that spirit of God in you, makes you alive in the Lord, and at some point in time, the body will die, and the soul and spirit go to be with the Lord. But what about now? What about now? What is the, what's he talking about? He's going to restore My soul, that soul doesn't leave that physical body. Doesn't leave the spirit man. What's he talking about? Have you ever heard anybody talking about their mind wandering? They'd be sitting where you are. You'll be talking to them, but their mind's a million miles away. They travel. And people worried about children paying attention in church. Children don't bother me in church. They can draw pictures and looney tunes and everything else and hear every word I say. But some of you staring straight at me, you ain't heard a word I said today so far. That's the truth because your mind's a million miles away. But listen, where does where your, when you are saved and you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not where I ought to be. Where are you when you're not where you ought to be? Where are, where is your spirit? Where is your soul when you're not where you ought to be? Well, let me just say this to you. I want to emphasize in the first place this morning that soul's departure. What happens to it? Where does it go? Where does the soul go when you say, I'm not where I ought to be? Or I, I, what does it mean? Well, it's kind of like what somebody says when they say, We just, you get off the main road, you get out in the bog, you get wandering around, you get, you get kind of drifted around. I believe in the first place, many times people's soul go to a place of weariness, they just get weary and tired. And, and, and spiritual things and, and because of a physical condition and because of a lot of different reasons, they get weary. They get weary. And because of the weariness of their soul, they just get tired spiritually speaking. They have, they have maybe given and given and done and done until they are drained. The Lord Jesus Christ says to his disciples one time, come apart and rest a while come apart. There are times when Jesus Christ, the son of God incarnated in human flesh, omnipotent, had all power in the world, omniscient, knew everything. But the Bible said he withdrew himself and went alone into a mountain to pray. And sometimes you need to understand that you can get spiritually weary and you can just get fatigued in your mind, in your spirit, your spirit, the soul can get weary and tired. You can get drained spiritually And it may not be because of sin necessarily, but you have just been spiritually drained. You've gone through many emotional battles or spiritual battles, and you just get fatigued. You're just tired spiritually, fatigue, weariness. But then there are all those occasions when not just weariness, but there are those times, my dear friend, when you begin to drift away. The Bible said all we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone waywardness. We've drifted away. Drifted away. Now, there was an interesting little phrase there that I noted in the book of Ezekiel. He said, I will bring them back from those that were scattered in a dark and a cloudy day. And I got to thinking, why, why would he just interject that right in the middle? And then it dawned on me and I knew what he's talking about. You see, not so much now, but in that day, an animal still, they have certain natural things that God's created that give them their bearings. They know where the sun rises, where the sun sets, where the stars are. And so if, if there's no sun, they have no sense of direction, even in the daytime. They don't have, if there's no sun, to recognize where the east is at or the west is at or what time of day it is. If it's a dark, cloudy, gloomy day, and they cannot see the sun. They are prone to wander. And my dear friend, there comes times in our lives when there's so many clouds rolling in and so much darkness in our life that it obscures the sun, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, we've taken our eyes off Jesus and like sheep who take their eyes off the shepherd, they begin to go astray, they begin to wander And just begin to wander away. Sometimes it's weariness. Sometimes it's just that idea of wanderness. And there's an old hymn that we sing. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. There's something inside us that causes us to wander away from the Lord. You do not spiritually or naturally get more on fire to serve the Lord. But it is something about our makeup with the old man that we have a tendency to cool off. And to get away from God. And to drift away from God. My dear friend, that's where that soul goes. It goes to a place of weariness. It goes to a place of wandering and just aimlessly, no purpose in life, no direction, no fellowship with the Lord. And they get out in that place. And it also often goes to a place of worry. While as long as you are with the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But when you begin to wander away from him, that soul has in it this sense of weariness. And uneasiness and anxiety and, and all those things. That soul wanders off to those places. And it, my dear friend, it can happen to any of you. It ad, drifts off to that land of wastefulness. Wasted time. I mean, when you're not close to the Lord, and you're not fellowshipping with the Lord, you've so much of your time. You waste so much of good fellowship. Things that you could have been doing for the Lord. Things that you should have been doing for the Lord. And because your soul has wandered, Because you drifted away from him, because you're not in fellowship with him, you drift off into a place of waste and into a place of warfare. As long as you're near him, you have him as your aid, as your defender, as your shield, as your sustainer. But when you begin to wander in your soul, you make your soul vulnerable to every beast of prey and how they will attack you and how the demons will come against you and how they'll war against you if you have wandered in your soul away from him. Oh, there'll be all types of things, lust and and anger and bitterness and, and all those things will come against you. And it'll be an awful battle that you'll face when your soul has wandered away from him. Not only where do they go, but why does it go? Why does your soul begin to wander? I mentioned to you about the sun. But the Bible said all we like sheep, all we are like sheep have gone astray. Since have, Sheep have no natural instinct of direction in their cells. They don't know how to go. They have to have a shepherd to lead them. And in our lives as a believer, we are identified as sheep. We, it is necessary that we have the Holy Ghost of God to lead and to guide us. And my dear friend, because of our not yielding to him, surrender to him, all we like sheep, because of our old nature, have a tendency to drift away from him. But then there's a second reason, and that is that we have a great enemy. The Bible says that we are drawn after, out after our own lust and enticed. That enticement is what I'm interested in. That is the allurement. There's something always pulling against your soul. Why you want to serve God, why you want to be on fire, why you want to be happy, why you want to be in church all the time, there is something pulling at your soul. There's something drawing at you, trying to get you away from God, trying to get you out of fellowship with Him, trying to pull you out, back out. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. All three great allurements that pull you out with promises of, of, of better times and promises of happy days and promises of good things. But he, the world, the flesh and the devil are all liars and they'll take you to a place of ruin. You drift because of your old nature. You drift because of the allurement of Satan. Many times you're drawn out after your own lust. And What do you find in that land where the soul drifts to? What do you find when you go out and you're not in fellowship with the Lord? Not geographically. You may be sitting here this morning, but your soul's not in fellowship with him. Where is it that he must restore bring your soul back from? Where is it that soul drifts off into a place of fearfulness? That soul drifts off into a place of loneliness? Sitting in this great congregation. There was a time when you knew Jesus Christ and He was so real to you, and you, you fellowship with Him, and it didn't matter if you were in a thousand or with one person or with nobody. You still had a friend that shit closer than a brother, and you never felt alone. You at nighttime you never felt any sense of loneliness. In in the darkest days you went through, you never felt any sense of loneliness. Because, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, of death, I feel no evil the art with me. But when your soul drifts and when you get away from him and your soul's in need of restoration. You have a great sense of loneliness in spite of the fact that you're married, in spite of the fact you've got children, in spite of the fact that you're in church. You still have a sense of loneliness because you've alienated your soul. It's not where it ought to be with him. <clears throat> it wand- you wander into a place of fearfulness, into a place of loneliness, into a place of weakness. Spiritually, you feel weak. Spiritually, you feel drained spiritually you feel fatigued because you've drifted away from the life flow. The flow, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me shall bear much fruit. And it's because of the life flow from him. And when you've got a fellowship with him, hey, but he that abideth in me, the Bible said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. <clears throat> but my dear friend, when you drift, your soul drifts and your soul needs restored and you're not where you ought to be with the Lord. You're in a place of weakness. You're in a place of danger. What an awful place to be. But can I say a word to you about what this passage of scripture says? David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Boy, I love that. I love the fact that he wants you restored. I love the fact that he wants me restored. He wants me to be close to him. He wants me to be right beside him. My dear friend, he wants me to be right where he is is what, notice the bringing back. Notice the deliverance of the soul, not just the departure of the soul, but now notice the deliverance of it. What does it mean to be restored? He restoreth my soul. Well, the word restore is a compound word. Of course, you recognize that. Re means again, and then the word store restoreth my soul. And the word store in, in Hebrew means to lay or to set. It really has to do with a foundation. People said we're going to put in the foundation. We're going to lay the foundation. We want to lay a foundation. That's what that word means. When you, when, in our modern language, we've drawn from that Hebrew phrase and from that little word, store, story, story. And so you have first story, second story, third story buildings. It means there are three foundations that store. That story is that solid foundation it sets on. And what it means is he's going to bring you back to set you on a solid foundation. David said he brought me up out of a horrible pit. I was in the mud and the mire. I was going 100 miles an hour, not getting nowhere but he set my feet on a solid rock. He established my goal and he put a new song in my heart, even praise to my God. That's what it means. It means to bring you back and set you on a solid rock. It means to get your soul back. Get you back in a, where you're resting on him and trusting in him and relying on him and finding in him your every need supplied and the joy of your salvation restored. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do for everybody in this building. That's what he wants to do for every person ready the To bring you back, to set you on that store on that solid foundation that's already been laid Jesus Christ and that foundation no other man can lay he is that foundation he wants to bring you back what's it mean to be restored to be brought back and there are many definitions in this little Hebrew word as I said it means to bring back it means to return to a person something that was lost or stolen. It means that he's going to give back to you something that you lost or something the devil took from you. He can restore to you the year the locust eaten. He can give you the joy that sin took away from you. He can give you the peace of God that you have missing. The joy of the Lord. He can bring you right back and set you on that rock and he restore everything, everything that you've ever had in him. He'll fix it that way. It means to return to that place to that former place it means to bring back from a place of ruin it means to bring that person back to completeness and fullness no no, no, no deficiencies bring you back to where you were it means to heal or to cure it means to repair and to rebuild it means to revive and thank God Brad's got a burden he's been praying that we'd witness for Christ and revival and my dear friend to restore, be restored means he brings you back to a place of healing to a place of blessing to a place of revival it means he brings you back to that place from where you have been absent He'll bring you back to where you've been missing, to the blessings you've been missing, the joy you've been missing. He'll bring you back. He'll bring you back, my dear friend, from that sense of sin and guilt. He'll bring you back. He'll bring you back to a place of renewal and restoration. He'll bring you back to a place, my dear friend, of peace and friendship and joy. It means literally to bring back to the original. He'll bring you all the way back to the original. Notice not the deliverance, the defined, but the deliverer. The Lord is my shepherd. Now I want to help people. I want to try to be a blessing to people. I want to be used of God. But the only one that can ever bring you to where you ought to be is the Lord himself. And he said, I will, I will bring you back. He's, and David said, the Lord restored my soul. He restoreth my soul. And I'm thankful, my dear friend, he can restore you. He can bring you back to that place. Everything the devil's took from you, he'll bring you back to it. He is the deliverer. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is the good shepherd. And he said in the book of Ezekiel, as that shepherd goes out and he seeks. I want you to know he's seeking you this morning. I wandered far away from him. Many of you could say, but can I say to you, Jesus said, how many of you if you have 90, 100 sheep, 99 safe and forth doth not leave that 99 and go out and seek that one until he finds it. I am thankful for the determination of the deliverer. He seeks it until he finds it. I want you to know he's not going to give up on you. He's not going to mark you off. My dear friend, your family might give up on you and your family, your wife might give up on you. Your preacher might give up on you. Your Sunday school teacher might give up on you, but Jesus won't ever give up on you. He's going to keep on seeking you and dealing with you because he wants you back to that place where you ought to be with him. He restoreth my soul. He notice what he said. He is the deliverer. And it, notice the diet that he gives to those he restores. He said in the book of Ezekiel, he said, I'll bring them up into a good pasture. He said, I'm going to put them right beside the river. And I'm telling you, if you was a sheep, praise God, that'd be heaven on earth. I mean, you got a good pasture and you got a good river. You got everything you need. Oh, he said, that's where I'm going to put them at. He said, I'm going to put them up on a place of protection, the mountain. He said, I'll have a place of provision, the water and the food. Notice their diet. He said, I'm going to put them in a place where they can have green pastures, green pastures, good pastures. He said, he making me to lie down in green pastures. That's good grass, tender grass on that mountain. It's not the, the, di, the, the, the dry grass, but it's, it's the most tender grass. And he said they will eat. And the only time that sheep lays down is when he has completely filled his rumen. And when it's completely filled, he's satisfied. And he lays down and he'll bring you back to a place of satisfaction, a place of joy and abundance. He wants you to be that way. He doesn't want you to feel like you're not, just not where you ought to be. He wants to bring you to a place where you're right with him and you have the joy of the Lord in your heart. He wants to bring you to that place. Notice still water. If you happen to have a Schofield Bible as I do, the Hebrew word there, still waters, it has to do with waters of quietness. Waters of quietness. And I've been told that sheep don't care for running water. But waters of quietness. But he's got plenty of water. He gives them good food. He'll feed you with what you need to sustain you. Feed you with what you need to help you grow. Some of you realize that when you've been sick, some of you gone through the bout with the the flu and the viruses and all that. And once the virus is gone, the flu is gone. You have a great sense of weakness. But he said, when you come back weak, I'll feed you. I'm going to feed you good grass. And I'll give you good water. Water of quietness. What about that water of quietness? Three things about it. It has to do with refreshingness of that water. It is refreshing. Nothing in the world will satisfy and quench your thirst like water. And I, I like tea and all the rest of it. But you know as well as I do that nothing will satisfy that need in your life like water. Water. It's refreshing. And that water refreshes. Those sheep. Oh, listen! What a what a time when he gives you fresh water. It's not only refreshing, but my dear friend, it brings to them this great sense uh, of relaxation. That calm water, they have that sense of rest, just like with the green grass where they lay down. They are restful in Him. They're blessed in Him, and then that water is also a place of reflection. Reflection. They see themselves. They recognize who they are, but they see the shepherd and know who he is. My dear friend, he brings them back to that place, brings them back to that place. Now notice, notice when he brings them back to that place, what he does for them in regard to their direction. He said, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness. Once you're restored, he leads you in paths of righteousness for his namesake, for his glory, for his honor. You, you don't get any credit for it. He gets all the glory for it, but he'll lead you in right paths. God will direct your path. You're out of fellowship with him. You don't even have no sense of direction. You don't know which way to go. But if you'll get right with him, he'll lead you in those good paths together. But now can I show you something else? Not only the deliverer of that soul, but I want you to notice his devotion to that soul. And that David gives that in the rest of this psalm. Look at verse number four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I love that little phrase, thou art with me. His devotion to the sheep. When he draws you back and he restores your soul, he gives you good water, gives you good food to strengthen you. But notice his devotion is that he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll be with you. I'll be, aren't you glad that when God restores you, he don't put you on probation? He's not ashamed to be seen with you. I mean, he'll stay with you through thick and thin. He'll he'll go everywhere you go. He is a wonderful savior. And his devotion is that, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a place of trouble, a place of peril, a place of darkness, he said, I know he'll never leave me. He's devoted to me. But not only did I note his, his devotion to them in his personal presence, but notice in verse 5 Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemy, and thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. I note his devotion to them because of his provision, his care for them. Not only his comfort to them, but his care for them. And he provides them something. He said, He'll provide, provide a table for me. My provision will be provided in regard of all these other enemies. He said, he's going to take care of me. He'll anoint my head with oil. My cup will run over. The anointing of the oil and cup. What a blessed thing. He gives them all of those things. But then notice, if you will, in verse number six, his promises to carry me. Not only his his care for me and his, his comfort to me, but I notice here his promises that will carry me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My dear friend, when you come to a place where you've been restored and he's given you a revival in your soul and he's brought you back to where you ought to be, boy, there'll be that great joy that heaven's my home. I'm looking forward to seeing him, fellowship with him, but until I get there, goodness and mercy is going to follow me the rest of my life, but one day I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thus, goodness and mercy follows you, directs your path and keeps you going all the way safely home. He restoreth My soul brings me back to that place of fellowship. Young boy in far country, the Holy Spirit of God brought him to himself and he comes to the father and he's expected to be made a servant. But the Bible says the father said, we'll kill the fatted calf, bring forth the robe and the ring and shoes, put shoes on on his feet, put the ring on his finger and give him that best robe to put on him. He restores him to a wonderful place. My dear friend, there's a place for you to return to this morning. Can I ask you something? If you're not where you ought to be with the Lord, where are you? He wants you to get back and he wants to bring you back. And I'll tell you how you get back. You have to come to him. He is the good shepherd and he'll bring you to that place where you ought to be. My dear friend, if you'll come to him this morning, I promise you what he'll do. He'll restore you. He'll restore your soul and set you on that solid rock and share with you the great joy and blessings that are here mentioned in this psalm. I want you to bow your heads in prayer, dear friend, with every head bowed here, I closed. He restoreth my soul. I want to ask you something. How many of you could testify, Brother Billy? I want you to know that I have been where David was at. I have been wandering in a far country. I have been out of fellowship with him. And I want to say amen to that that he can restore your soul because I've been out there but God's got me on the rock I'm happy in Jesus I'm loving the Lord and I want to thank him that he did restore my soul would you raise your hand high this morning you ought to thank him for that you know there's many a time that God's people begin to wander I don't have to tell you that you're not where you ought to be you know it I don't mean that you're engaged in open sin But you just feel it in your heart that there's not the joy there. There's not the peace there. There's not the excitement there. There's not the awareness of his power and his presence. Or the confidence that you're walking the right way. The only answer I've got for you is this. Come to Jesus. Just get around this old altar and say, Lord Jesus, you're my good shepherd. I pray you'd purge me. Bring to my heart and mind things ought not to be there. Help me to confess and be honest with you. Get everything out and hope. But God, I want to be restored this morning. God, I want revival this morning in my soul. I want to leave here rejoicing. I want to have that joy I've known in days gone by. Bring me back to that original state when I was on the solid rock. You put a new song in my heart. God, bring me to that place. Put me there now, Lord. Bring me back. I want to be restored. You're know, that way this morning. I invite you to come. Just do business with Him. You don't have to go through a man. If I can help you, if I can pray with you, I'll be glad to. But I want to say to you, He restoreth my soul. Boy, i tell you, He can do that for you. You're His child. He knows you by name, knew you before you was ever born. He knows you personally, He knows your weakness. But He wants you to fellowship with Him. He wants you close to Him. He wants you to be in fellowship with Him now. He wants you to be restored. He loves you. He loves you. Come back. Get right with Him. Get on fire for Jesus. Let Him fill you with the joy of the Lord. Walk confidently in Him. rejoicing. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil. He'll prepare a table for you, the presence of your enemies. He'll anoint your head with oil, the Holy Ghost. Your cup can run over the blessed rejoicing of the Word of God. He'll give you every bit of that. God has a place for you. I encourage you to come. If you've never been saved by the grace of God this morning, if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, if you died right now, you don't know you'd go to heaven. Can I say to you, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I am the door. If any man enters in, he can go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door to heaven. Jesus is the door to heaven. And you have to come to him for that. You have to come to Him for salvation. And how do you come to Him? You say, Brother Billy, how can I be saved? The Bible said that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wage of sin is death. But the Bible says, scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God committed His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's already paid to sin debt. Therefore, he says this, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a free gift, but that free gift must be accepted. He came unto his own. His own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Now, how do you receive him? The Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to invite you, if you're here, boys, girls, men, women, and you're not saved, would you call on him now? Would you just speak to him as you'd speak to me or anybody else and ask him to come in your heart and receive him as your Savior, recognizing that you're a sinner? Would you pray a simple prayer like this? Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe that you bore all of my sins in your own body on the tree. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you died, were buried, rose again. Lord, I receive you now as my Savior and Lord. Come in my heart and forgive me of all my sin. I trust you now and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord.